every good and perfect gift. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that you never sleep or slumber. You watch over us continually. Your smile is upon us eternally. We have no fear. The arrow that flies by day (laughs) are the enemy's plots that try to get us in the night. For you watch over our going out and our coming in both now and forever and forevermore. And we bless you and we thank you and we honor you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we give you all the praise and the glory. We don't take for granted the blessings you've given us. But we give you praise and honor for each and every one of them. And we recognize every good thing we have has come from your kind and compassionate hand. And for that, we say, Jesus, thank you. And now speak to us this morning. Teach us your ways. Give us fresh understanding of your will and your word. Give us a fresh encouragement in our hearts to live out the life you've called us to live and to live it out as more than conquerors. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to 1 Kings chapter 19, as we continue in our series of sermons from the life of the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah. This morning we'll use as a title, Running on Empty, Running on Empty. And again, we're going to finish up. We've got two or three more messages from this series, but let's look at 1 Kings 19. Beginning with verse number 1, the Bible says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Now you remember chapter 18, um, that great showdown with the prophets of Baal, who could call down fire from heaven, and of course, Baal couldn't do it, he's dead. Amen, those gods can't hear, but the Lord heard and he answered the prayer of his prophet, and fire came, but then after the fire, they still had a drought, they still needed rain. And so Elijah went to pray, and he prayed, and God sent forth the rain. The curse was broken. The drought ended. Amen. And then such such um, an outpour came that the, the, the prophet sent the, the king to get back on his chariot as soon as he could. And the Bible says the hand of the Lord came upon the prophet in such power that he actually outran the king's chariot. Can you imagine that? So he's going from running under the power of God, outrunning a chariot until our text. Our text. So verse 2, Jezebel had heard heard what happened. She heard that the, um, um, and she sent message to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I don't make your life like one of them. They'd killed all the false prophets as according to the word of God. They'd killed the false prophets, but now Jezebel said, now you're going to get it, Elijah. And verse three says, Elijah was afraid. And he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there. And that's kind of an interesting thing. Underline that in your thinking. We can get back to the way he left his servant there. And um, he, while he by himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. He said, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Enough is enough. And he lay down under that tree and he fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank. He lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. He got up, he ate and drank, and he was strengthened by that food, and he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. 
until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and he spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. We can, we'll stop there for now. Again, running on empty, running on empty. Elijah, as we have seen, was a mighty man of God. But in this sermon, we're going to have to highlight the fact that he was just a man. Hopefully that can encourage all of us. He was a heroic prophet, absolutely. He did mighty exploits for God. We've read about him and we've marveled over them. We've spoken of his courage, of his conviction, of his character. He confronted kings. He faced off with hundreds of false prophets. He, um, he called down fire from heaven. In fact, one time he even raised the dead. But our present text reminds us that he was just a man. And he was a human being um, subject to the human condition just like you and I are. He suffered discouragement. He suffered some um, depression here. And on this occasion, he can't seem to shake it. One minute he's running triumphantly. The next minute he's running frantically. One minute the hand of God is on him so strong he's outrunning the king's chariot. The next minute one little threat from someone he's been outwitting and outdueling for three and a half years. But you know when it's a straw that breaks the camel's back? Forget it. Now he's just running saying, I quit, give up, get me out of here. We need to remember as we study the Word of God that this is not unique to Bible heroes. I mean, many of the people in Scripture have battled such things. I mean, David did, Jeremiah did, Moses did. I mean, Joshua did. And um, we pray that this teaching would not only instruct us, but warn us and at the same time encourage us. You know, one of the reasons that you and I should love our Bibles is because it's about real people in real situations, with a real God who brings them through and then teaches us from their experience. Amen? Aren't you glad there's some reality in this book that we can relate to it and we can be encouraged by? If it was all about supermen and superwomen, what's the use? I mean, I I can't relate to superman. Amen? Give me someone with a flaw or two. Now you're talking. Amen? Give me someone that every now and again says, man, this just stinks. All right? Just be honest with reality. Give me someone that I can relate to. And the Bible does that. They're real men and they're real women but they served a real God and God brought them through every time. Amen. Elijah's at the point that we call running on empty. A textbook case of burnout. He's physically and emotionally, spiritually exhausted. He's discouraged and depressed about his work, about his circumstances, about his future, about his ministry. And a pity party of the I am the only one. Watch out when you get the I am the only ones. I am the only ones is begun when you're the only holy one and you're the only right one and you're the only faithful one. Look out when the only ones get a hold of you, boy. Then you know something's wrong somewhere. Because you're never just the only one. Can you say amen? And instead of running towards others for help, he runs away. He insulates himself. And he prays that God would just take him home. One writer comments, discouraged people are usually lonely people because they tend to hibernate and isolate. You see, a friend could have pumped some encouragement, gave some perspective, some objectivity to his friend. But when you isolate yourself, you sever the the lifeline that God has put so we can all make it together. Can you say amen? Now, the results of running on empty, and we've all been there a time or two, we tend to make poor decisions. We tend to say regrettable things. 
We tend to miss opportunities. Oh man, why didn't I? When I could have, but you're tired and you're angry and you're frustrated and blessing can walk by and you don't even recognize it. We surrender our resolve to fight. Don't want to fight anymore. Resistance gets weak. Just give up. Just give in. Our perception, our confession, our action all gets thrown off when we're running on empty. When we begin to live by fumes and not by faith. Look out, look out, look out. He was running on empty. And friends, we got to learn to monitor our gas tanks. Monitor your marriage meter. Monitor your church attendance meter. Monitor how's things going with my children meter. I mean, there's some meters that we need to attend to so you don't break down on the side of life's road when all along there was the little thing was saying, empty, empty, go to the gas station, go to the gas station. You thought things were all right. Monitor your gas tank. Monitor. This is our body, soul, and spirit. God made all three. We're going to focus merely on the emotional and the spiritual side today, but we have to watch these things and monitor these things. Today we see the results of running on empty and the importance of staying spiritually hydrated. Spiritually hydrated. And of course, as we look at this, we'll also see how God, such a good God, such a faithful God, He refreshes and He revives the weary. And we thank God that He does. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. If you're weary, you can come to Jesus. He'll refresh you. If you're tired, you can come to Jesus and He'll comfort you. If you just need some fresh perspective, you can come to the Lord and He'll speak to you and He'll help you see things properly and biblically and He'll get you back in the race. In our story, Elijah is exhausted. He feels defeated and he concludes that his mission had failed and he decides that it's time to quit. What's the use? But the Lord. He didn't see it that way. And I think it's good to remember that our Father still believes in us. And your Heavenly Father still believes in you. And again, He's got a better commentary for your life. Notice the chapter begins, and Elijah is running away. And he's trying to save himself. Then um, he argues with God. And he tries to defend himself. And then finally, he hears God's Word, obeys God's command, and he yields himself And he's refreshed, revived, restored. He gets a new assignment. He gets a new assurance. He gets a new associate. He gets a new victory. The God we serve, He still has the touch and the Word to refresh the weary. If you're listening this morning and you're tired and you're weary, it's too soon to quit. It's too soon to give up on that calling, to give up on that promise. The God you serve is faithful and the God you serve is able. And when you walk by faith, you're not walking by your feelings anymore. So He reminds you this day of His good promise to your life and it reminds you that the work He began, He will complete in your life. So keep trusting, keep believing, keep obeying, and keep walking with Jesus. Somebody say Amen. Our outline is very simple. Three thoughts. Three thoughts. Number one, there's the enemy's message of danger. And we'll spend the bulk of our time there. Then there's the angel's message of grace. And then finally, the Lord's message of Power and of hope. Number one, the enemy's message of danger. And this is Jezebel's threat. You see that in the first few verses. Her threat to the prophet. And um, it's not the response Elijah had expected after that great victory. 
after the fire fell and then the rain came and it seemed like the people were coming on board and all of a sudden this comes, this threat. Caught him with his guard down. Caught him. you got to guard your victories as well as your defeats. Sometimes the victories, you let your guard down. And you think everything's going to start coming to pass now and tomorrow everything's going to be perfect. And then when it doesn't, amen? I read a story about rock climbers. Not that I've ever climbed a rock or at least not for a long time. It's been a good 30 years since I even thought of climbing more than the stairs. But anyhow, um, I rock climbers, and sometimes most of the falls come on their way down because they let up a little bit on their psyche. They relax a little bit. You know, when they're going up, every move is calculated. Every move they're going, and sometimes they get to the top, and on the way down, they lose concentration because they relax a little bit too much. You've got to guard your victories. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Let's look at this together. And this, the, her words just seized him. Fear and panic just caught him unprepared. Unexpected bad reports can do that. Isn't that right? When you're not expecting it. I mean, for three years, and we noted this in earlier messages, he never made a move without the word of the Lord. But now the guard's down and the exhaustion's up, and he just runs. Escape mode kicks in. I quit mode. I had enough mode. Quits it and just kicked in. Always remember, the devil is a liar. And he'll get right on you when you're tired. Watch yourself when you're tired. Amen? You just tell your spouse, when I'm tired. He's tell mine, when I'm tired, we're younger. When I'm tired, kick me under the table. Because I'm going to say something I wish I hadn't said tomorrow. Amen? We're out about. You know, sometimes you got to go out. You can't get out of the appointment. Never been there. Amen? But you're tired. Say, Lord, if that person brings up this topic, I don't think I have what it takes to smile and just, just move on. Kick me under the table. i got a few bruises. <laughs> They're just healing now. Amen? When we're tired, we get weak and we get weary and we lose that resistance. Come on, you can say amen. Your wife knows it so. (laughs) Let us remember that our fears and our frustrations are terrible counselors. They're bad advisors. Don't take their advice. Don't take their advice. Don't listen to your frustrations and your fears. Instead, the Bible says, lift up that shield of faith. It's able to quench all those fiery darts that the enemy throws to frustrate you and anger you and defeat you and, and, and confuse you. That shield of faith that we lifted up believing God and trusting God. Not my feeling or not my natural perspective, but thus saith the Lord. And we lift up that shield and we remind ourselves of what God has said concerning us. What our Father has said concerning our situation. Not merely what the emotion feels or the natural mind thinks. And we we remind ourselves of God's promise and then we remain near good, godly relationships. You see that throughout the Word of God. They, they stood with their group. They went back to their group. Friends, help us keep perspective and put us, put encouragement into us. One person once said, a friend is someone who is there when the good times aren't. And we need them at that time, don't we? Some things that strengthen, a relationship that strengthens us. A real godly friend that says, I can encourage you and be straight with you at the same time. And they're priceless and they're priceless and we all need them. But Elijah, he's on empty. And when you're on empty, (laughs) we tend to magnify the problem or the pain and minimize the good. We magnify the problem. We minimize the good. See, discouragement distorts our perception. I've seen people win the battle and just give it up because they were so drained from the, from the conflict. 
that they just, just discouragement distorts perception. Discouragement, and you can put anger in there, or, you know, tends to select its own facts. Select its own facts. So because of his exhaustion and weariness, he's what we're going to call spiritually dehydrated. The threats of Jezebel have a much greater effect on him than they should have. Usually he just shake those things off. Usually those things wouldn't have I me. Mean, three and a half years he's been trying to kill him, hadn't gotten near him, right? God's led him every step of the way, but for some reason this time, they're really doing a number on why he's exhausted, he's tired, he's weary. He's not thinking straight, he's not able to bounce back like he should have. This is where we overreact. This is where we get hasty and impulsive in our response and in our speech. This is where we hear the voice of fumes instead of the voice of faith as we declare something. This is where the wisdom of the world takes place to the wisdom of heaven. Child of God, it is so very, very important. Stay filled with the Spirit. Stay close to the family of God and stay full of God's Word. Stay full of God's Word. Let God's Word nourish you. Let the heavenly presence of the Spirit refresh you again and again. Do not, you cannot let weariness win. Why? Because there's too much for you to do and too many people are counting on you. I'm going to say it again. There's too much for you to do and there's too many people relying on you. You are too important to burn out, to fall out, or to give up. Somebody needs you and your heavenly Father has an assignment for for you. I want someone to know you're too important to the kingdom. You're too important to your family to burn out, to give up, to go away. You need to stay strong in God. You need to stay full of the Spirit. You need to stay close to your brothers and sisters in the Lord so you can fulfill your divine destiny and you can be the one God's called you to be. I'll say it again. Your children need you. The grandbabies need you. There's someone on the job that needs you. It's too soon to quit. It's too soon to give up. God says, I'll refresh you and I'll revive you. But I want you to remember that i got a plan for you and i got a purpose for you. And the devils are trying to discourage you and get you to give up. It's too soon to give up. You haven't finished your task yet. So get a fresh feeling. Get a new perspective. And get back in the battle. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. That's it. Tell someone next to you, you're too important to drop out now. You don't know. Somebody needs you. Somebody needs you. Yes, they do. They need you. And God has a plan and purpose for you. Hallelujah. So stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. I, we've told this story before. I think it bears repeating. As believers, we have an abundance of resources, but we have to avail ourselves to them. I never forget, I used to, I like, you know, New Year's Day, all the, the parades and all the football games. Amen. And all the good food. Oh, I love New Year's Day. And there was one New Year's Day some years ago that one of those beautiful floats eh, that, that, uh, out in California, one of the uh, just stopped, sputtered, and quit. All the other floats couldn't move. It's just big floats. And the, oh, the whole thing got, that whole beautiful parade had to stop as the one. And they found out it was out of gas. Out of gas. Whole parade was held up until someone get a gas can to that big float. Now, the funny thing happens to be that the float represented the Standard Oil Company. With all its vast resources, and their truck was out of gas. How did Grandpa say it? They have more gas than Carter had liver pills. I never knew what that meant, but Grandpa used to say it. But you know, often Christians neglect their spiritual maintenance, and though we have been clothed with power, sometimes we find ourselves out of gas if we don't access the resources 
and drink from that river and feed on that Word and enjoy the fellowship of the saints. Stay hydrated. How do you stay hydrated? Well, I'm going to give you a couple you know, points. It's a whole sermon, but what you're doing today helps you stay hydrated. Faithfully attending the house of God with the family of God, that helps you stay hydrated. That's where you come and hopefully get a word to encourage you and instruct you and move you. This is where when you participate in praise and worship, you allow God's presence to embrace you. And something is transferred. When you draw near to God, the Bible says He draws near to us. The Bible says He inhabits the praises of His people. So when we actually participate in praise and worship, He draws near to us. And there's something that we get from heaven when we draw near to God. It's more than just singing songs to God, which He loves and He receives. But God reciprocates and there's something that is transferred when we draw near. Again, that's one of the ways we can leave God's house and we feel refreshed and we feel revived. Amen? Because hopefully we've heard something that has stirred us and challenged us and encouraged us. But then as we worship God, we've entered into the very presence of God. And whether you know it or not, you've received something from God. Given, it shall be given. And as we give praise and glory to God, He inhabits those praises and He embraces us and He touches us. Of course, when you come to God's house, there's the wonderful family of God, the godly relationships where we urge each other on and we lift each other up. And sometimes just a greeting, knowing I've been praying for you, knowing we're standing with you. That's enough to encourage you. Get back in there for another good week. Amen. Faithful church attendance. And then in your personal life, your daily devotions. This is where you just, you, you get nourished. God will speak to you through His Word. He'll teach you. He'll encourage you. You take the bread of life and you feed yourself and you get strength for the day and you talk to the Lord. You commune with God and you can pour out your burdens and present the cares of the day to the Lord. Faithful church attendance, daily devotions. I'm going to add one more here. This is on my heart, especially for the younger folks. Allow anointed music to minister to you. Want to stay hydrated? I mean, we shouldn't let the devil have the corner and all the good music. God created music for His glory. Amen? And when we allow anointed music, I'm not talking about the spiritual blues. I've heard some songs say, my Lord, who wrote that? Sounds like more of a devil's group song. That's more negative. God's Word is negative. God's a positive God. Amen? Salvation's a great salvation. I mean, and when there's anointed music, especially praise, man, I'll tell you, it energizes the soul. It lifts the spirit. It keeps our eyes fixed on the Lord and His goodness and His greatness, who He is and what He's done. And when we enter in and actually sing along, now, instead of being critical and complaining and woe is me, I'm the only one. It's how great Thou art. My God is an awesome God. He reigns. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Talk about staying hydrated, hydrated. Man, you can, you, you know, and I bring out music, but for some people, for most people, it's easier to really enter into the presence of God through praise and worship than most people through prayer. Prayer's a little harder. You gotta develop that. Some people never get to that place. But I mean good praise and worship. I mean, I listened to the Brooklyn Tabernacle before I come out this morning. That girl singing, my help cometh from the Lord. I get ready to scream. You thought the music was loud last night. I get ready to let look loose in the bathroom before service. I'd have woken up the rest of the I mean, oh man, but there's power in praise. And when you enter into that praise, something splashes on you while you're declaring the goodness and greatness of God. How do you stay hydrated? Good music. 
Get away from that garbage music. Don't worry about your achy heart. The devil broke your heart. God wants to heal your heart. Get some music that talks about the Lord and the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and the love of God. Amen? Listen to it. Sing along with it. Amen? Believe what you're singing. And you can be driving. The presence of God will fill that car. Amen? You can just be at home, put around the house, put some good praise on, put some good gospel music on. Next thing you know, you're singing along. I just got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Amen? Instead of giving it up. You're getting ready to bring it on, devil. Power and anointed music. There's power and anointed music. Avail yourself to good anointed godly music throughout the week. Man, that'll lift you up and make you strong. Hallelujah. Stay hydrated. Tell someone, stay hydrated. Man, stay hydrated. Glory to God. You see, Elijah had come from a great victory. Chapter 18 is an exciting chapter. The fire fell. The rain came down. Wow. And God was, God was moving. God was working. God was bringing a revival back. God had protected him all this time, provided for him miraculously. But this time his response is different because Elijah is tired, exhausted, isolated, and discouraged. And again, typically when we get discouraged, we don't want to be around people. And that's usually the time we need to be around people. <laughs> The people that love you and people that can speak to you and help you be lifted up again and get a right perspective on things. But when this happens, when, let's be alert to these things. Number one, when we get exhausted, when we get spiritually dehydrated, we can tend to allow fear to replace faith. And fear can make us say and do and believe things we normally would not when we're staying strong and we're vibrant in God. Second Timothy 1 and 7. Second Timothy 1 and 7, where God did not give us that spirit of timidity or fear. So when that thing seizes me, first thing, this did not come from God. Amen? This is not of God. But what He did give you and I that love Him is a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline actually means the self, self, self-thinking, control thinking, a disciplined mind. Amen. And so God, instead of giving into fear and letting fear control my thinking and my perspective, God says, let my Holy Spirit, let my word control your thinking and your thought life and how you respond to life. But here we see that fear replaces faith. Elijah stopped looking to the Lord and he started looking at Jezebel. Now this happens in the Bible. You remember when Peter was walking on the water? His focus shifted and fear replaced faith. And he began to sink like a dead balloon. See, you can be doing really, really good, but if you let that focus, fear get a hold of that, instead of keeping your focus on Jesus... Things begin to change. Remember the ten spies going into the promised land? And there were ten ne- those ten negative spies, they focused on the giants in the big walled cities instead of focusing on the Lord. And fear replaced faith. They wanted to go back to, to Egypt. God had brought them all that way. God had done mir- miracles for them. And they're ready to run back. When fear replaces faith, we tend to go back instead of go forward. Even the disciples in the storm that one time. Remember Jesus in the boat? But he was sleeping. Amen. Listen, his silence doesn't mean his absence. Just because he's not yelling at you in an audible voice doesn't mean he's not there and he's not working. 
It just means we need to listen and believe what we've already read. But the disciples were in the storm and Jesus was there, but their focus shifts from the Savior to the storm. Fear replaced faith. And here they are accusing Jesus. Don't you care if we drown? Jesus said, man, can a guy get some sleep around here? Amen. And He just spoke one word and that storm was over. They're freaking out. Professional fishermen thinking they're going to die, accusing God of not caring. It just took one word from the Master. Woo! It's all it takes. Whatever you're facing, it might be hard for us. It's not hard for Him. Amen? It might be very confusing and complex to us. Not to Him. Oh, He's wonderful. He's awesome. Amen? He still speaks peace and storms cease. He still speaks a word and demons shudder. He still makes a command and sickness disappears. Someone receive your touch from God. Let the power of Jesus Christ heal you and strengthen you and free you from that thing in Jesus' name. So we learn here to guard our focus. To guard our focus. Don't be pain-focused. Don't be regret-focused. Don't be insult-focused. Some are so focused on the offense that they can't hear from God. They can't navigate as God wants them to navigate. But right focus feeds our faith. Looking up to Jesus. Looking into that Word. That feeds our faith. But broken focus, it feeds our fears, our confusions, our angers, our hindrances. At this point, Elijah is no longer thinking um, realistically or clearly. He had failed to consider the source of the threat. Now, come on, Elijah. That threat hadn't come from God. God's not the one that said, get your house in order, but tomorrow you're going. I mean, if God said that, then you get a different response there. But God didn't say this. This comes from Jezebel. Hey, God's still in control here. Jezebel's been trying to kill you for three and a half years, Elijah. God actually hid you out in her backyard and she couldn't touch you. So, hey, Elijah, just trust God like you did before. He's still got you covered. And he hasn't lost sight of you. Somebody, he hasn't lost sight of you. He hasn't lost sight of you. He sees where you are. He knows what you're going through. His presence is there. His promise is sure. And He'll bring you through just like He did before. The God we serve still has us surrounded, still has us shielded, still has us securely in the palm of His hand. So keep your faith strong in Him. Keep your focus on the Lord. Remember, your God is in control and your God has the last say. Can you say amen? He's running on empty. And when we run on empty, fear can replace faith. And sometimes here we see a sense of, a sense of failure. A sense of failure. Because he hadn't failed. He just felt like he failed. But if you feel like it, you'll act like it. A sense of failure replaces a sense of victory. He assumed defeat, but... Every time God said do something, there was victory. I read an article the other day about the danger of assumptions. You know, bad assumptions can mess you up. How many know that? You ever made an assumption and you were wrong? Hey, we all have. Yeah, we have. A traveler between flights at an airport went to a lounge and she, she bought a small package of those cookies. And she sat down and began reading her newspaper. And gradually she became aware of a rustling noise. 
And from behind her paper, she was flabbergasted. I don't know who uses the word flabbergasted anymore, but it's in the article. Flabbergasted to see a neatly dressed man helping himself to her cookies. Now, she's a very proper lady. She didn't want to make a scene. So she leaned over, took a cookie herself. That'll teach him. Well, you know, a minute or two passed and then came more rustling. He was helping himself to another cookie. By this time, they had come to the end of the package, but she was so angry, she dared not allow herself to say anything. Then, as if to add insult to injury, the man broke the remaining cookie in two and pushed half across to her and ate the other half and left. Now, she was still fuming until a little while later her flight got called over the announcement thing and she opened up her handbag to get her ticket and to her shock and embarrassment. There she found her pack of unopened cookies. <laughs> How wrong our assumptions can be. We start to imagine things that aren't there. We get suspicious about things that aren't there. We see things out of proportion and we get worked up in our imagination. Oh, Lord, help us. Can you help us? But this is why we say a sense of failure replants a sense of victory. Because it looked like it looked like all was for naught in his mind. All was forgotten. But remember, um, discouragement and anger chooses their own facts. I mean, after all, the fire fell. Elijah, the people are returning. The curse was broken. The rain was falling. He hadn't failed. But he felt like it. That's a trick of the devil. See, failure can be as real as one perceives it to be. He failed to see the big picture. He failed to see that, no, God was at work and God was on his schedule. He had just gotten lost focus of what God was doing. And he was being moved about and energized by what he was feeling. He assumed things would have worked out differently. And when they didn't, he was, one of my friends uses the word, he was scandalized. He was emotionally, he got his wind knocked out. And he lost his faith and his perspective and his fight. And he just wanted to flee. But the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 that we're to walk by faith and not by, or by feeling. We walk by faith. This Christian experience, we live by faith. Not by what I see or not by certainly what I feel. And it's easier to walk by faith when I feed my faith. And faith believes and accepts what God has declared concerning life and situations, not what I'm feeling in the present moment. So again, he perceives it, but his reality wasn't the real reality. Number three, fatigue replaces strength. Fatigue replaces strength. It's important, again, to stay hydrated, to keep good spiritual habits. The the story says he ran for 10 miles and then for another 75 miles. Can you imagine that? I got tired just reading and I wanted to sit down. I said, this is... I said, man, 10 miles had me gasping. And another 75, I said, get out of here. Amen. I said, I need a ride. Where's an Uber when you need her? And... um, but he's, he's run, but he's running and he's fretting and he's fuming and he's denying. And I'm looking at this. You know what, friends? You wear yourself out when you work yourself up. I look at some people that always get worked up over. So I said, man, they must be exhausted. I mean, I just listening to them. It's not even my emotion. I'm getting tired. I said, man, you, you wear yourself out when you work yourself up. Save some energy, Lord. Walk by faith. Amen. Oh, oh, oh. 
the sun will come out tomorrow. Coach Lombardi used to say, fatigue makes cowards of us all. It's when you're tired, you just don't have the energy to stay under control and walk in love and to keep that proper courage. We get tired and we thinking it gets off. Our endurance gets off. But we need to stay connected. The key, the key. John 15. John 15. Look at these few verses. When I stay close and I stay connected to the Lord. John 15 and verses 4 and 5 and then verse 7. Look at Jesus said, remain in me. He says, abide in me. Stay close to me. Jesus said, connect with me. Stay close to me. And I'll, I'll stay close to you. Isn't that wonderful? I'm not going to run away. If you'll make the choice to walk with him, he says, I'll let you walk with me. I won't play hide and seek. I'll be right there for you. Remain, abide, stay connected in me, in me. And I'll remain in you. Because listen, here's the imagery. It's so easy. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, stay connected to the vine. You know, you, you cut off that branch, it starts to die. Isn't that right? And so you and I need to stay connected with Jesus. But if we stay connected with Him, we got the life of God, the life of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God flowing constantly just by abiding, just by walking with Him. Verse 5 teaches us, Jesus said, I am that vine, you're the branches. Again, check the imagery. If a man just abides in me, remains in me, stays close and connected with me and I and him, he's going to be fruitful. Now, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you get severed, you can start to die. But if you stay connected to Jesus. That's why it's beautiful, that corporate gathering, but that personal daily thing. As we talk with the Lord and read the Word of God, staying connected, thinking upon God throughout the day, we're staying connected to the life of God. So we can endure and we can have wisdom. We have strength. Because we're not leaning on our own. We're leaning on His. And then verse 7. Verse 7. Jump right there if you could. Jesus said, If you'll just remain, stay connected, stay close in Me. In My Word. That's why it's so important to love your Bible. To read your Bible. To learn the Scriptures. To um, meditate on the promises. Memorize those things. If you'll remain in Me and My words remain in you, then you know what? You'll watch your prayer life start to be more effective. You can ask what you wish. It'll be given to you. Wow. Wow. The key for us, the key that fatigue can replace faith when I get dehydrated and I start running on empty. But if I'll practice some good spiritual habits, and the most important one is staying close to Jesus, consistently, close with the Lord, now I'm connected to the life and the energy of God. And when I stay connected, I'm accessed to all the resources of heaven. So I can run and not grow weary. I can walk and not faint. Can you say amen? And finally, what we see, the lastly here, because he was running on empty, um, frustration replaced hope. Nothing, nothing had changed. God had won every battle. But somehow, because he's weary and he's tired, he's not seeing that. And this is where I think um, a lot of times good faithful believers hit, miss it here. So check this last thought out. He thought revival would come after the fire. But there were still more battles to fight. But he assumed a different result at that present hour. Have you ever done everything right? And you expected and it didn't come to pass. When it didn't come, that's where he began to... You see, unrealistic expectation can set us up to get our wind knocked out. One of our mentors in college used to tell us, guys, he'd say, often the vision 
or the goal can be good, but sometimes it's our timing that's off. He says, don't be so quick to throw away the vision or to throw away the goal or to forget the promise. Adjust the timing. You see, everything Elijah wanted was coming, just not yet. Everything he was believing for, he thought would happen now. And when it didn't happen now, he thought God had failed. And God said, no, 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 no. I haven't failed yet. Everything's working according to my timetable. You just thought it would happen in your generation. It's going to happen in the next generation. But you're very important because you've got to touch the next generation to fulfill it. He thought Baal worship would be ended then. It seemed to make sense. It seemed to be what should have happened. It's not how it happened. It wasn't until Elisha came on the scene and he anointed the other kings and the other generals that they stamped out the rest of ugly Baal worship. But often when we have a realistic expectation, we set ourselves up for defeat. We do everything right. We believe everything right. And we see some good things happening. And we assume, boom, everything should be perfect now. And we find out it's not. We think, God, He's not listening to me no more. This stinks. I'm going to go hide and suck my thumb. My God says, no, no, no. Your vision's proper. You're believing for the proper thing. You just got to adjust your time to my time. Mm. The enemy's message of danger. The angel's message of grace. And here we simply see the message in what the angel does and what the angel says. He feeds the weary servant. He speaks words of hope and grace to him. Nothing seems right when you're exhausted and hurt. When you're frazzled and frustrated and the enemy sends his message. There's times that even a snicker bar can't snap you out of it. There's times that we just need to hear the, the, the word, the word from the Lord and receive that grace of God. Amen. The Lord had a better word and the angel simply says, Hey, God comes and he refreshes him. Eat. You're tired. The journey's long. You need the energy of God. God has a message of grace for his people. He knows the journey's too much for us, but he says, I'll be your strength. He knows that life can be unfair and unkind and unpredictable, but He'll be your helper. He'll be your counselor. He'll be your friend. A message of grace. He says, that trial is temporary, but my love for you is eternal. And then finally, that last thought, the message of power and hope. We see how He gets to the cave and all of a sudden God demonstrates His power and then finally God speaks in that small, gentle whisper. And let me just summarize it as we wind down here. Here, Elijah, this great prophet, man of God. We see him acting out of character. And the reason comes down to he's weary, he's exhausted, he's tired. And when we allow ourselves, that's why the Bible says that we're to be filled with the Spirit continually. Not just one time, but constantly. And and read that word, the bread of life, amen? So we can stay strong. But what happens here, he, he wants to withdraw from the conflict. He wants to give up on his divine assignment. He just wants to give up and go hide somewhere. Because he's tired and he's weary. And he's thinking that his efforts were fruitless. And they weren't. They weren't at all. He just felt that way. Just remember, discouragement selects its own facts. Yet Baal worship would be completely overthrown. But not just yet. The next generation would Carry it on. But Elijah had a pass the baton. He still had to touch the next generation. And so that takes us to that last point here, where we see at the very end, where God shows up and he asks him again, What are you doing here? And the prophet, he's still not getting it. 
He spills off the same thing. I'm the only one. Everything's bad. Nothing good. And God doesn't even waste his time talking. Sometimes God's not going to waste time in dialogue that's foolish. He just simply says, listen, get back. He goes, go back. Get back to your place of duty. Go back to the place you shouldn't have left in the beginning. Get back. And he says, number one, he says, you're not through. And he gives him a new assignment. He says, you're not through. Adjust your timing. The battle still rages. It's not going to end for you. But you're going to touch the group that will finish the job. And he gives them three people to anoint. Um, two, one king, one that will be king, and then a prophet. They're going to take care of Baal. They're going to take care of that worship completely. Keep pressing on. He gives them a new assignment. And then he gives them a new assurance. He says, listen, you're not the only one. I've got 7,000 other. They haven't bowed. There's a lot of other people that still believe in God like you are. A lot of other people going through things where they're singing in the midnight hour. There's a lot of other people who have gone through it, but they still lift up the name of Jesus boldly and without compromise. You are not the only one. You are part of the family of God. You are part of brothers and sisters that are fighting the good fight just like you are. So be encouraged. You're not alone. Someone prays for you. Someone believes for you. And someone will stand with you. He says, you're not through. Gives them a new assignment. You're not alone. Gives them a new assurance. And now he gives them a new associate. And it's Elisha. In fact, I'm going to give you someone to... Remember he left his servant? Remember in the beginning he left his servant. Things were bad and the one friend he did have, he forsook that friend. God says, I'm going to give you another friend. And for the next ten years, he's going to be with you and you're going to mentor him and you're going to train him. And when you finish your course, you're going to give him the baton and he's going to finish the job. The mighty prophet Elisha. Running on empty. Running on empty. We learn how important it is to stay filled and to stay close to the family. Watch your weariness. Let God refresh you. Stay hydrated. Stay connected. And practice through the things, the godly habits that will keep you spiritually strong and focused and vibrant in your faith. Personal devotions. Corporate gatherings. Good, godly friendships that strengthen and encourage one another. If you're weary this morning, or if you need to adjust your mindset or your expectation, let's look to the Lord. Let's receive from His Spirit, and let's respond to His Word. Right now, let's receive from His Spirit, and let's respond to the Word that we heard. Bow your hearts with me. Bow your hearts. Let's just ask God to bless us. Time always slips away in the first service. But let's ask God. I'm going to ask God to touch people. If you need a touch from God, we're going to ask God to do something immediate and something lasting in Jesus' name. If you're weary, if you'll just drink, He'll refresh you and He'll revive you and restore you. If you need to respond to the Word of God, if God is speaking to your heart saying you need to adjust some things, You need to get a a better perspective of that situation. You need to step back and begin to listen to what I'm saying to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, touch Your people. As much as they can bear, touch them, fill them, make Your will clear to them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, as much as they can bear, touch them, fill them, make Your will clearly known to them. Father, I ask for your healing touch right now. Father, let immediate and lasting healing take place. Father, heal those that are hurting in their body. Father, in the name of Jesus, release your healing power now. Let that healing power flow. 
Let there be an immediate lasting healing in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray new strength for a new week. For each one of these faithful ones that have come out this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, grant your people new strength for a new week. New strength, Lord, to fight the good fight of faith. To carry out your will for their lives. And to begin to see with a proper perspective and a proper timing of the Spirit. Father, bless them and let them be a blessing. Give each one of them the desires of their heart. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you on Wednesday.